So the, the card issuing um, banks that have you know, promoted that there's zero liability, that there's um, you know, great customer service at the bank level, there's always somebody that answers the phone you know, in a matter of seconds, and they generally are, are very willing to help resolve a customer conflict. So the consumers have been taught that that's the path of least resistance mm. to resolving a conflict. Um, and the, the banks have essentially become the de facto customer service center for merchants because consumers don't want to call a merchant and get pushback on their complaint. Welcome to the Tearsheet Podcast. I'm Zach Miller. We haven't done a whole lot of work on this show regarding chargebacks or the new approaches to authentication. How does fintech improve the conflict resolution process on credit card payments? Total costs associated with chargebacks can add up to nearly 10% of a merchant's total payment costs. A recent report published by Javelin tallied that consumer disputes and chargebacks created $31 billion in financial losses in the U.S., with merchants bearing nearly $19 billion of those costs. To understand what's happening and what technology can do to improve the chargeback problem, Rick Lynch, Senior Vice President of Business Development at Verify, joins me on the podcast. We discuss the issue, the misaligned incentives in the industry, and different approaches to solving the problem. Rick Lynch is my guest today on the Tearsheet Podcast. Thanks, Zach. I'm Rick Lynch, and I'm Senior Vice President of Business Development for Verify, and I focus on strategic referral and reseller partnerships. So uh, to be honest, we, we haven't done a whole lot of work on sort of the, this chargeback um, issue. I know there are a lot of startups I know, especially like in, in the startup world, that are sort of you know, addressing this problem. You guys have been around for a while. Um, can you talk about sort of what, what some of the challenges are um, with chargebacks? And, and I think we can use that as a segue into the rest of the conversation. Sure. So uh, chargebacks have been around, obviously, uh, since credit cards were invented. Uh, I think the, the challenge that we're facing currently is as over the last you know, 20 to 30 years, as more and more um, payment volume has moved to what we call card not present, uh, particularly because of e-commerce, um, you're seeing majority of transactions occur in a non-face-to-face environment. And so the traditional methods that you would use to authenticate a customer are, are no longer there. And so the ability or opportunity for fraudsters to commit fraud and, and ultimately that, that's going to result in chargebacks, um, that, that becomes more possible because of the, the card not present channel. And, and that's really what's driving the massive increase in volume on uh, e-commerce chargebacks. So this is primarily, addressing this problem is primarily, it, it, it stems from fraud and not just like from regular use of, of chargebacks? Like how big a problem is somebody um, refuting a charge on their, on their credit card? Sure. So there's certainly what we call friendly fraud as well as criminal fraud. And both are significant problems. Um, in many cases, um, it could be about a 50-50 split between the, the, the criminal fraud and friendly fraud that a merchant experiences. Um, certainly consumers are um, more inclined to look to a bank to solve a complaint. They, they consider that the path of least resistance when they are unhappy with the service they've received. Um, and so uh, rather As than- As opposed to going back to the merchant. Uh, beg your pardon? As opposed to going back to the merchant to, to talk about the problem? Correct, right. Okay. So the, the card issuing um, banks that have you know, promoted that there's zero liability, that there's um, you know, great customer service at the bank level, there's always somebody that answers the phone you know, in a matter of seconds, and they generally are, are very willing to help resolve a customer conflict. So the consumers have been taught that that's the path of least resistance mm. to resolving a conflict. 
Um, and the, the banks have essentially become the de facto customer service center for merchants because consumers don't want to call a merchant and get pushed back on their complaint. And how big of a problem, can you give us some context around how big of a problem are, are chargebacks, fraudulent chargebacks? Um, well, you know, typically chargebacks may represent only, you know, maybe half a percent or 1% of a merchant's total business, which sounds really small. Mm -hmm. uh, but the related costs associated with chargebacks can be, you know, five, seven, 10% of their, their total payment cost. And the chargeback costs typically are going right to the, the profitability margins and the bottom line. Um, and so the, the damage that chargebacks do is a little bit outsized in proportion to the amount of total sales volume that they represent. So are there, are there kind of industry accepted models for addressing this? I know, you know, you can describe Verify's model, model, but are there different approaches to sort of addressing this issue? Because what it sounds like to me, is, you know, is, is basically misalignment of incentives, right? If I'm going to the bank and the bank is not necessarily incentivized to push back on me um, as a merchant might, because they've actually sold goods, um, I'm going to be, I'm, you know what I'm saying? It's just like as the volume has increased because because of the sort of triangle effect? Yeah, I guess to answer your first question, what are kind of the standard approaches to addressing this? Um, merchants have some choices to make. There are a number of different technologies that can be employed. Um, some are, are more um, human effort and some are more um, you know, software and, and technical. Um, there's really kind of two phases that you, you need to consider. One would be pre-authorization, meaning before you build the card, trying to assess the quality of that customer before you accept payment from them. Um, and then really where Verify focuses is particularly on post authorization. Um, and we're somewhat maybe a, more of a category creator in that sense that, that most of the solution providers have focused on pre-authorization, uh, whereas we have focused on post authorization. Um, the driver for, for our interest in post authorization is really in we don't want to turn away a good customer, a potential good customer. We'd rather kind of deal with the problem and cleaning that up after we let all our customers in the store to buy. When you have a pre-authorization solution, you're essentially taking a risk that somebody that you turn away um, may actually have been a good customer that you mm. risk insulting and, and not, not accepting their, their fees or their funds for the purchase. And so there's a balance there and, and there's definitely justification for both the pre and post-authorization strategies, but it's something that merchants really need to be aware of and take into consideration, you know, how they, you know, how hard they pull on those levers, so to speak. Okay. And so how do you help merchants in the, in the post-authorization model that you guys have sort of created? Um, can you talk about the different ways you can help them avoid yes. these problems? Yeah. So as I mentioned earlier, much of the complaint volume is being driven to the bank, issuing bank customer service centers. Uh, what we've done is gone out and partnered with the card issuing banks. We have eight of the top 10 issuers in the U.S., for example. Um, probably 70% of the cards issued in the U.S. for Visa, MasterCard, Amex, and Discover that work with us. And our goal is to go to the point of complaint. So we connect the bank after they've taken a complaint from a consumer, but before the bank has progressed to filing a chargeback. And what we do is we take that complaint, we route it to the merchant that would sign up and participate with our solution and give that merchant a chance to intervene on that complaint and resolve it so that it doesn't need to become a chargeback. And we're really getting the, the merchant, the bank and the consumer all to work together on this. 
And what we find is a majority of the time that the dispute can be resolved in many cases where the customer says, you know what, I don't need to charge back and the merchant can keep those funds. Um, however, if there is a true fraud situation and the customer should be refunded because of you know, the card being used fraudulently, we accelerate that fraud um, being resolved, we accelerate the refund to the customer, and really it's a win-win-win for all parties involved. The, the consumer's happy they got their money back right away, the bank's happy that the dispute got solved in one day rather than weeks or months, and the merchant's happy that they found out about that dispute instantly in a matter of a few seconds, as opposed to the traditional chargeback process, which can take two to three weeks. So this is really, uh, I think, a trend that the industry is moving towards, which is this kind of instant dispute resolution, and we're trying to really lead the charge on that. So, so what is that? What's the form factor of that instant um, resolution? Is it you know does the, does a merchant set certain rules or you know, that are followed based on? What, what, what they get um, approached with? What, I guess, what, how does that interaction between those three parties, what does it look like in practice? Sure, so the, the merchant would identify um, the transaction that's being challenged. Um, if, for example, the product um, hasn't been shipped yet, uh, then the merchant could cancel the shipment, refund the customer, and everybody's happy. Um, in other cases, if you're talking about a digital solution, say a downloaded song or a, a software or service that was provided where there's no physical product shipped, um, the merchant may be willing to simply resolve the, the dispute with a refund uh, because th there's no product to be lost and they'd rather resolve the dispute, make the customer happy, and just move forward without the additional penalty of chargeback. Um, in other cases, if the, if the item has been shipped and it's of high value and the merchant wants to dispute that, then they can choose not to refund and, and fight that dispute and then ultimately recover the revenue um, based upon the evidence that they've gathered on that purchase. Um, so there's, you know, a couple of different types of outcomes, but it really allows us to triage the dispute and get the, the best possible outcome. And because we're doing this all post-transaction, we haven't done anything on the front side to uh, prevent good customers from coming through the door and buying the product. Interesting. And, and so who, who, do you, who signs up with, with Verify? I guess who's your, who's your customer? You work with the, the, issue, the issuing banks? They're the ones who bring you in? Correct. So mm -hmm. we have a network, right? On one side of that network would be card issuing banks. Mm -hmm. uh, and then on the other side is going to be the merchants that are looking to resolve disputes. So we have tens of thousands of merchants around the globe that are, are enrolled with our service, anywhere from, you know, Fortune 100 all the way down to SMB. Um, and it's primarily um, something that is, you know, a very, a very fast growing category of dispute resolution. So we're, we're literally, literally signing up hundreds of merchants every week, every month. That's amazing. I, I guess going back to my other question, what, what is the form factor through which that communication happens? Meaning, is this a fully tech, a technology solution? Is it a hybrid? Are people involved in, in terms of making these decisions? Um, we, we provide what we call a web-based portal. So mm -hmm. a merchant um, and a bank both can go live on the solution in a matter of a couple of days at most um, without an integration. Um, and that requires a little bit more manual interaction with the, the cases. Um, if the bank or merchant wants to integrate to an API and, and fully automate the process, um, they have that option as well. And certainly our larger banks and our large merchants typically choose that route because of the volume. But we have both options available. Right, so that alludes to the next question I had. I guess what was the target size of merchant that you guys are, like your sweet spot? Well, I, I, we offer the service to merchants of all sizes. Mm -hmm. uh, certainly, um, the banks and the merchants that have the most amount of volume of disputes are the ones that are going to benefit the network the most. 
Um, but again, we work with you know merchants that have one chargeback a month, and we work with merchants that have ten thousand chargebacks a month. And and do merchants see this as a as a financial solution, or do they see this more as a customer service um, solution, or both? I guess. Um, I would say it certainly depends upon the merchant. There are certainly merchants that are more worried and concerned about the customer's experience. And so they see this as really a much better experience for the consumer. Um, the chargebacks um, typically are a break point, right? We've, we've done research that shows that when a customer goes through the chargeback process, it's very tedious, it's frustrating, and it typically means that customer does not um, shop with or buy from that merchant again. Um, this solution is a much better experience, quick resolution, and there's still potential either for that sale to be saved or at least for that relationship to be saved so the customer can buy from that merchant in the future without feeling like there was a break in that relationship. Interesting. And, and what does the sales cycle or partnership cycle look like with the issuing banks? Like how long does that take? What are some of the hurdles you guys have to get over to get them on the network? Well, issuing banks uh, probably have a reputation for, you know, being very kind of long and difficult partners. Exactly. With. But mm -hmm. um, what, once we deployed a, um, a web-based non-integrated portal option for issuers, um, that has greatly accelerated our ability to bring issuing banks up and running quickly. So we have some banks that, you know, could be within a few weeks or a few months, uh, which is pretty fast in, in the bank world to, to bring a, a new product online. Um, because we're delivering immediate benefit without that upfront cost barrier. Um, and, and I would say typically those banks at some point will migrate from the, the non-integrated portal to the integrated API when that timing works for their development cycle. But to be able to offer kind of an instant solution and benefit that we can, we can train their staff on in a couple of days, um, that's become really attractive and it's accelerated our adoption of the banks. Um, and I would say in a similar manner for merchants. So I also saw you recently um, unveiled sort of a self-service portal for merchants. Is that, is that what you're describing? Yeah. So, uh, or is that I a different product? A number of years ago, um, when we first launched um, our, our, what we call a SaaS solution for our, our dispute product, um, we saw that, that the non-integrated option obviously accelerated um, the sales cycle and, and the ability to board clients quickly. Um, and so over the last few years, we've worked to, to take that same approach on additional products. Um, the product we just released in January is our um, dispute product, which allows customers to fight the chargebacks that they cannot prevent. Um, and so that's available as a, as a browser-based SaaS product with no integration required. Um, similar to CDRN that I was describing earlier, we can mm -hmm. enable that for a merchant to get them up and running in a couple of days. Um, what we're providing is all of our expertise, our knowledge, our templates on how to fight disputes. Um, but we're allowing the merchant to take that and, and use that expertise in-house rather than having it outsourced to, to our Verify staff. Interesting. And through this process, are you, this is just maybe a crazy question, um, but are you able to, are you profiling um, the end customer in a way? It would seem to me that you could build profiles of these guys. So eventually you could also offer pre-authorization um, help as well. Well, uh, there are certainly uh, more and more kind of restrictions on how you yeah. utilize cu customer data. Um, at this time, we are not currently um, utilizing the customer data in, in, a negative database or something to that effect with, with that dispute product. 
um, you know, it, it would be something that we would need, to, you know, probably an opt-in to some degree. So mm. not at this time. Okay. Got it. And, and where do you see um, this industry headed, right? You guys, you said you're sort of a category builder in the post authorization space. Um, you know, five, seven years down the road, like what is, what is sort of this entire ecosystem look like? Yeah. So the, the big picture, right. Of what's going on in the payments industry is, you know, with e-commerce over the last, you know, 20, 25 years, we've seen the ability for purchasing um, to accelerate to the point where with one click in a matter of a few seconds, you can buy something anywhere in the world. Right. And have it delivered to you in a couple of days. Well, that's what I was getting to. In some cases, it's not even a click, right? Like if it's integrated into an app, you just have to perform an action and you're actually not submitting a payment. It just happens in the background. Sure. Right. Yeah. And so the, the purchasing process is, you know, highly accelerated. But what's lagging behind is the dispute process. So the traditional chargeback process, as it was designed back in the you know, 60s or around that time, uh, it can take up to four or five, six months for a dispute to go through the full cycle to be resolved. And the amount of time and paperwork and effort that the bank and the merchant and the consumer have to go through is just crazy and it's tedious. Um, there's still fax machines involved in many cases, right? So that seems a little out of whack that the purchase process is so evolved and that the dispute process is so archaic. And so what we see, and, and I think if you look at what Visa and MasterCard and, and the industry are doing in terms of payments, there is now a push to move the dispute resolution process to instant resolution. So Verify's Order Insight product, as well as our CDRN service, are really leading that charge in terms of instant resolution of the dispute. Um, and we're you know, seeking to partner with the, the card brands, as well as you know, channel partners and solution providers to enable that for merchants so that they can you know, kind of bring that dispute resolution process into the, the modern age. It sounds so high tech, right? But it makes total sense if if the if the payment speed has has you know sped up, then you know resol resolution and and you know should also I guess mimic the same type of uh, behavior. Yeah, and obviously the when the when the e-commerce explosion happened with the dot com era, there was a big push to acquire customers, right, mm -hmm. and a big focus on sales acquisition and all those things that you're doing to establish a brand. Um, as the whole sector has matured, there's, you know, an effort to squeeze out those additional kind of cost inefficiencies. And that's where there's more of a, a bright light getting shined on chargebacks because it does have such a disproportionate impact, profitability and margins for these dot coms in particular. And Rick, we have time for one last question, I guess, um, looking into the back end of 2019, um, what are yours, uh, I guess in the business development role, as well as like Verify in general, like maybe from a product portfolio perspective, what are, what are your big audacious goals for the rest of the year? Um, our goal is really to drive expansion of the network, right? The network that we're building. Um, we've had a lot of success with CDRN that we launched 10 years ago, where we have, you know, 70% of the, the U.S. banks, a significant uh, portion of the EU banks, and again, tens of thousands of merchants on that, on that product. Order Insight, which is in its early earlier stages and launched just a few years ago, um, needs to you know get that kind of adoption. Um, fortunately, we're going back to the same banks and merchants, right, to to ask them to to join the second product, and so that's going quite well. Um, but that is that is probably where we are most focused um, in the remainder of this year to, to drive the, the adoption network because the the more you have participation on both sides, the more powerful that network becomes, and so we want to kind of reach that tipping point where the value becomes really, you know, 
unquestionable. Right. Once you're building a network, you have all kinds of network effects and lock-in value and stuff like that. That's way beyond both from a competitive standpoint and from like a product standpoint, a service standpoint. So it's a very powerful position in the market. It's all about the value you can deliver, right? And so we've got to drive that value by getting participation. Rick, thanks for joining us on the Tearsheet Podcast today. Thank you, Zach.